Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. If you would turn with me, uh, there's a number of verses I'd love to look at. I probably won't get to them all, but let's start off with, uh, just head over to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. Some of us are right-handed, some of us are left-handed. I've never met anyone who said I'm only right-toothed or left-toothed, but I, uh, I don't know about you, but I chew with both sides of my mouth, and uh, so it's, if, if it feels like perhaps I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth, it's because I am, okay? And so this is going to kind of be the premise. I want to take part of what Pastor Dave said, and over here on the left side, on the left side of the stage, this is going to be U.S. citizenship. This is being a citizen of this amazing nation called the United States. Over here. Everybody say, left side, U.S. citizen. Over here on the right side, say right side, kingdom citizen. Okay? That's how this is going to play out. So, um, we want to look, I want to look at these things, and I'm just going to, all I can do is share with you what God has been speaking to me, just reminding me and challenging, encouraging me, but challenging me about um, so, wow, here we are. What do we got? About seven more weeks left of this year, this wonderful, amazing year called 2020. Oh my goodness. What a year. There's been so much change. So, so much change. And even our nation's run out of change. Coin shortage. It's just, it's just been a bizarre year. And so uh, the Lord really began to speak to me early on with the pandemic um, with this thought. And, of course, we didn't know all that was going to happen. But I will say, when you look at what uh, even the announcements about fasting and praying through the end of, of the month, you know, that wasn't like, oh, now we're going to keep fasting and praying more now that the election turned out like it was. No, it was like, hey... We knew that, hey, we're in a battle for the soul of this nation. That does not stop. And so it's going to be like, that was set up weeks and weeks ago to say, let's fast and pray through the end of the, uh, end of the month, okay? That doesn't have to have anything to do with just something that happened the other day. So we, we're living in this crazy time of so much change. And the Lord just really began to challenge me to say, okay, So there's so much change going on. And the fact is, most of us as human beings, we are very uncomfortable with a lot of change because we don't know what that change is going to bring about. And that is why voting really matters because your vote counts because who you put in office, really, their decisions matter. And there is a ripple effect in the spirit realm, in the political realm, on down as their policies are released in our nation. It's very important, okay, because there's a real ripple effect to what we do. 
So there's all these changes, and then there's this fear with these changes of going, oh, man, what's, what's going to be the result of all the pandemic? What's going to be the result? How many people are going to die? Am I going to be safe? What about the finances? Is the economy going to collapse? Is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? What about, what about if the person I want to have in office doesn't get elected, and what's going to mean this change? And, and all these things that are so uncertain, and the Lord's just speaking to me going, okay, Christopher, let me ask you something. You know a lot about what has changed. Now, right here for the moment, as Pastor Dave was saying, this is not settled, the, 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 the election from the other day, it's not settled. So we live in this place of this tension of being kingdom citizens who also happen to be citizens of the United States, and we get to use our rights, we get to vote, we get to go through the process, we get to hold our government accountable, okay? All of that kind of stuff, but yet we're citizens of the kingdom of God. And so the Lord's just challenging me, going, okay, there's some things you can't change, some things you can. How many know it's really wise to know the difference between them? And going, yes, there's a lot of changes that produce so much uncertainty and that can cause fear. But Christopher, what are the things that have not changed? Okay. And he'd ask me, he said, have I changed? No. For all the different qualities of God, one of the foundational aspects of who he is is his immutability. I said for years he's not like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He does not mutate. He does not change. How many are thankful you don't have to wake up tomorrow going, I wonder if he's still good. I wonder if he's still a merciful God. No. He is a sovereign, holy king who is righteous and just and always good. It's who he is. And nothing and nobody can change that. So then the question becomes, what am I attached to? Am I attached to my comfort, to my routine, to my preferences? Look, man, I, I have the things I like. I like things to go my way. I really like for things to go my way. And I'm not crazy about it when things don't go my way. Sometimes I can even get crazy when things don't go my way. But at the end of the day, I have to be fully attached to him. It says in Hebrews that he's going to shake everything that can be shaken so that we can be a part of this kingdom that is unshakable. So he would ask me, what has not changed? So God is still sovereign? That has not changed. Now again, going back to what Pastor Dave was talking about is, you know, the thing about Like, I don't care how many years you study this scripture and how much insight you, you have. There is nobody who I believe has a complete revelation, because I don't think we'll ever have it on this side of eternity, the balance between, this perfect balance between our human free will and the sovereignty of God. I don't think we'll ever have that full understanding on this side of heaven. But I will say this, Okay. For those who would just say, well, it is what it is. It happened. Let's just accept. Okay. If somebody broke into your house tonight, like, honey, there's a burglar downstairs. They just broke into the house. I saw him on the security camera. He's got a gun. Well, it just, you know, God's sovereign. He allowed it to happen. So who are we to interfere with that? 
I'm not going to call the police or even cry out to God or anything because he's so... No! We've been given responsibility. Let's use our responsibility. There is a place where we rest in his sovereignty, but there's also a time where we run with our responsibility. And we need wisdom, biblical wisdom, to engage in both. So what hasn't changed? God's sovereignty. He's still sovereign. He is holy. He was holy from the very beginning. He was holy in the Old Testament. He's holy in the New Covenant. He's holy today. Nobody can vote him out of being holy. No matter how much culture changes and no matter how much we adapt to and adopt sinful ways and try to change definitions, God is still holy and that does not and cannot change. That doesn't change. He's holy, holy, holy. So he's omnipotent. He is the Lord God Almighty. It's who he is. That doesn't change. See, I love it that we live in a country where we have the privilege to vote on a lot of things. That, like, what an honor that we live in this country that we can cast votes. But I'm also thankful there's nobody who can vote anything to change the nature and the character of our God. There's nothing nobody can ever do. The devil can't do it. Nobody can change his nature and his character. He is sovereign. He's omnipotent. He is omnipresent. Now, that's both scary and encouraging all at once. Depends on what you're doing, okay? But he is omnipresent. He's also omniscient. His holy eyes see everything. It says in Hebrews 4 that everything is laid bare before his holy eyes. The one to whom we must give an account. When we get frustrated with what we perceive as injustice in the world. Whatever that looks like. And that looks like a lot of different things. Okay. We need to keep in mind the bigger picture that at the end of the day, nobody gets away with anything. You and I and every king and every president and every politician, every pastor, every man, every woman is going to stand before a holy God and give an account for our lives. And nothing is hidden from him. And there can be frustrations of losses in this life that are difficult to face. But I got to live with a bigger perspective of eternity. God has not changed. He's also omni-good. I don't think that word exists, but it's still true. Okay? He's all good and all the time good. He is perfectly good in every single way. His nature and character has not changed. A lot of changes in 2020. A lot of crazy changes. And look, I can't stand here. I won't stand here and try to tell you, oh, it's all going to calm down. It's just, well, I tell you what, magically, somehow when we turn the calendar to 2021, it's all going to go away. Be, I'll be very transparent. You know, people have talked a lot in the last few years about being fit for office, you know, and with both candidates recently. You know, are they fit for office? I got to be honest, I question the sanity of anybody who would want to run this country. I'm like, 
Gee whiz, man, that's just, who would want that job? Anyways, that's just personal opinion. Um, God has not changed. In the midst of a lot of change, he hasn't. So the question begins, so if I am aferrado, I don't know why that word just keeps coming to mind. Uh, if I cling, if, I, if I'm stuck to things that are constantly susceptible to change, then, man, I'm going to be jerked all over the place. If I am married to things that are constantly in flux, put it this way, if my, if my confidence and my trust and my sense of well-being is, is solely in a political party or stuck to the economy, man, I'm on shaky ground. But when I am aferrado, if I, if I cling to this place of the kingdom of God that, look, my ultimate allegiance is the kingdom of God. Yes, I'm thankful to be a U.S. citizen, but man, I'm a, I'm a, kingdom, I'm a kingdom citizen first. Man, hallelujah. That's an unshakable kingdom. That is an unshakable kingdom. Let's look at this passage real quick in Colossians. Colossians chapter 4. Let's go to verse 2. I'm reading out of the New King James here. The updated. The more. Anyways. Um, verse 2. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how, to how you ought to answer everyone. One of the things that I want us to keep in mind, that the Lord's challenged me with when I read Scripture, is we need to have a historical context and a global context. Because it's very easy for us to read the Word of God through our own lens and our own assumptions. Okay? So here's Paul saying, be diligent in prayer and giving thanks. Right? Let's look at another verse real quick. Go to uh, 1 Corinthians. No, I'm sorry. 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. Let's go to verse 15. 1 Thessalonians 5, 15. See that no one pays back wrong for wrong or evil for evil to anyone. But always pursue what is both good for yourselves and for all. Verse 16, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. We just read that how Paul wrote to the Colossians as well. Stay vigilant in prayer and giving thanks. And then here he's telling the Thessalonians, he says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and give thanks in everything. Okay? Now, I will tell you that this is my frail human tendency to read this scripture and go, 
Man, that's great, Paul. You're an amazing apostle. What a mighty man of God. But man, you never, you didn't have to live through 2020. Come on, Paul. I mean, let's face it, you were single. Man, you didn't have to deal with, I have an amazing wife. <clears throat> She's awesome. I'm so blessed. One month ago, celebrated 22 years of marriage. Woo! I'm a blessed man. So obviously, he didn't have kids either, okay? It's like, Paul, you didn't have to go through what, what we're going through. We're living in unprecedented times. There's so much upheaval and chaos. In 2020, this pandemic, and man, we've been quarantined. And how many are thankful for Governor Reynolds? I tell you what, I talk to people around the world. Man, we've got it good. We've got it good. Anyways, and it's like, man, I could just hear Paul. Yeah, you're right. I've never been quarantined. I was only imprisoned multiple times. Had my back ripped open from being beaten with whips and rods. They stoned me one time and left me for dead. They had to drag my carcass out of the city. I had to be let over a wall in a basket. Been shipwrecked, left without clothes, put in stocks. But hey, no, I understand, Christopher. You guys have it really hard in 2020. I, no, I, I get that. I, I get that. I, I should have kept that in mind when I was writing these scriptures. I probably would have tweaked it a little more if I would have only realized. There is a historical and a global context we need to keep in mind. I have the privilege of traveling to different parts of the world. Some very nice, very prosperous places and some places where there's been great suffering, great persecution. Some of you know that last year I got to do a, a youth and young adult conference in, the, in Sri Lanka. And the week after I got back, I got news of these Islamic terrorists who set off bombs in multiple churches. It's one of the worst terrorist attacks in, 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 in history where... I think it was somewhere between 300 and up to maybe 500 people were blown apart. You know, obviously a whole lot more injuries, but hundreds of people died. One of the reasons why what drives my vote what, the way I vote and what drives some of my, my convictions politically is because I'm an American citizen, and I've had the privilege of ministering three different times in Cuba. Some of my closest friends are Cubans. And they know what that slippery slope of socialism leads to and the lack of freedom and the restrictions and gag, uh, the, the, the government putting, gagging you and putting gag order on you that you cannot freely speak your convictions, okay? Literally where some of the, the, the church leaders get imprisoned. Some of them have died over the years. And so that grips my heart. I'm like, God, deliver us. Deliver us from that agenda. But I also recognize of going, man, you know what? I have to get a bigger perspective here of historically and globally, of going, man, I have friends, I have other believers in other nations, people I'm connected with who have suffered a whole lot more than anything we have here in Iowa with this quarantine globally. 
I have to keep in mind that I have friends who have dealt with great suffering, some with persecution, some who've had to escape it, all these different things. And yet I look at Cuba and I go, look at the church that's passionately seeking God. And do they want to see a change in their government? Sure. But that's not holding them back from pursuing the kingdom of God right in their midst. So we live with this tension that I get the privilege of being a U.S. citizen, going to exercise our, our rights and privileges. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm a kingdom citizen. And my kingdom citizenship should affect what I do over here. Here's another thing to this. He says, rejoice always. No, come on, Paul. Really? I mean, always? Can you really mean always? Yeah, that's what he said. He said always. Always. And then he says, pray without ceasing. And then he says, in everything give thanks. Mind you, this is the guy who, said, who wrote to the Corinthians, these light and momentary afflictions or troubles are producing in us a greater weight of glory. Well, that's amazing, especially when you consider it that he wrote much of his letters from prison and the incredible suffering that this man went through, you know, that basically all of the, the early apostles died as martyrs. And he's saying, hey, these light and momentary afflictions. I, I personally don't look at, you know, getting thrown in prison and getting your back ripped open with, beaten with rods as a light and momentary affliction. But apparently Paul does. So I have to keep it in perspective. And then, I don't know if you've ever done this when you read scripture, but I'm reading this passage of scripture going, okay, this is written a, you know, almost 2,000 years ago, and I just pause for a moment, and I'm like, okay, I'm reading this as this guy in Ankeny, Iowa in 2020, when he says, in everything give thanks, rejoice always. But this, this passage was written, and it was true when Nero was emperor. This was true when people were dying left and right from venereal disease in the Roman Empire. This was true when the church was so backslidden and the popes so corrupt in 900 and 1000. In the 1200s, okay, before there was ever a, a reformation. All of it. And that, that word was still true. Do you realize how many Christians? I don't know if you ever thought about this. This is just stuff I think about. I'm reading this. I'm like, do you realize how many Christians have read this passage who have suffered the loss of a child? So many, so many people who have suffered greatly. And yet Paul, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, writes this passage to the church. The church is big. It's been around for like 2,000 years. It's a big church. And he's writing this to people who have gone through betrayal and hurt and pain and injustice. For those who've suffered from racism. 
those who have suffered betrayal in their marriages. Those who have suddenly had their finances wiped out. See, my tendency is to just look at it through the little narrow lens of Christopher Olson, guy in Ankeny, Iowa. But this is written to the body of Christ, which is there's a huge historical global context. And some of you can identify with things that I just said. Maybe you've, you've lost a child. Maybe you lost, maybe it wasn't a child, you lost a loved one. But these passages are true for people who've gone through divorce, for people who've gone through bankruptcy, for people who've lost things. This is just true. And I have to see it for what it is. God has not changed. Never has and never will. And neither will his word. It is both incredibly challenging and incredibly encouraging all at the same time. There is no shadow of turning with him. He is faithful always, all the time. Go to Philippians 4, please. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Again, Paul is writing this from prison. And the main theme of the book of Philippians, one of the absolute main themes, is joy. Philippians 4. Let's go to verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord every now and then when things go your way. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me read that again. Always. No, come on, Paul. Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. I'm writing this from prison. Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Let your gentleness be known to all men. In a climate of great conflict, in political debate, and a lot of t tension and division, this is, he writes this passage, and it applies to us today. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing. For what? Wait a second. For nothing? Come on, Paul, don't you know I need to survive? Did you know that this passage was in the Bible during the Spanish flu of 2008? I mean, 2008. I'm so used to that now. Of 1918? That passage of scripture was right there where they estimated at least 50 million people died. 50 million people globally. Some say it was up to maybe 100 million died. And that verse was still in there. So either it was true for believers in 1918 during the Spanish flu when 50 to 100 million people died. Either it was true or it wasn't. How many would say it was true back then? Okay, if we're raising our hands saying it was true then, we have to also say, huh, right here, 2020, it's true for me right now. God's word is unchanging. 
God's character is immutable. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. Again, you're going to see a, a, a theme here between these passages that Paul's writing to different groups of people. He's saying, hey, guys, keep praying. That's what Pastor Dave is saying. We're still in a fight. Okay? Keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. And he is addressing this specific issue. But beyond that, we're called to live lives of prayer. And how many know, no matter what happens, no matter who is sworn into office come January, our nation needs a lot of prayer. Our families, our society, the church needs a lot of prayer, regardless of who gets sworn into office. We have our preferences, we have our convictions, who we think would be best, we, we, all of that. But at the end of the day, we're called to pray, no matter who's in office. That this is a lifestyle that we are called to. That does not change. So Paul's really driving this home saying, Pray, keep on praying, pray vigilantly, pray without ceasing. And then he says this, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. You see that again? Man, he keeps driving that home, keep giving thanks. I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Okay, one, you'll get burnt out in prayer if all you do is focus on trying to overcome problems. One of the things that keeps you in the fight of prayer is by giving thanks to God for who he is and for what he's done. And even when you can't see what he's done, you can see who he is because who he is does not change. Nobody gets to vote on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Nobody gets to overturn that. Nobody gets to litigate that. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He rose from the dead. It's who he is. That is a settled fact for all of eternity. And nothing can ever change that. So if God never did anything else for me, which he's done plenty, he forgave me of my sins by sending Jesus to the cross. And instead of pouring out wrath on me, he poured it out on the Son of God. And he took my place as a substitute. And now I get to be adopted into the kingdom family. That's good news. And nothing can change that. Nothing can change that. So to give thanks. Yes, pray, pray. Paul's saying pray vigilantly. Pray passionately. Keep praying. Pray without ceasing. But give thanks. Give thanks in everything. Oh, you mean even the hard places? Yeah, especially then. Give them thanks. Because thanksgiving keeps things in perspective. Because I've learned while I really love comfort, God is not merely, not, not nearly, nearly, nearly as interested in my comfort as I am. And while I'm, I'm, I'm interested in my character, I think he's even more interested in my character than I am. So he puts character over comfort. He's a really good God. The other thing that Thanksgiving does is Thanksgiving acknowledges that you know what, whatever good is in my life, I didn't come up with it on my own. I didn't come up with it because I'm so smart, because I'm so uh, intelligent, because I'm so wise, because I've got it all together. No, good things in my life came because God's a really good God, and he gave me a really good wife. You can say amen to that. But she's a gift from God, so I didn't earn her. I didn't earn the grace of God. The grace of God cannot be earned. It's all from his grace. So every good thing, my, I, I have... I have the blessing of having amazing parents. But I did not do anything to, to earn those. It's just what I was given. And all of us can look at many things in our lives, doesn't matter what our background is, and say, man, there's plenty for me to be thankful for. But 
I did not deserve it. I did not earn it on my own. What is that? That's a form of humility that says, God, you've been so kind, merciful and kind to me. I didn't earn this. And you know what humility does? It attracts grace. You need grace to stay in the fight of prayer. You need grace in your life every day for situations you face. One of the ways you attract the grace, you don't earn the grace of God, but one of the ways that you can position yourself for it is by giving thanks. When you give thanks, you're humbling yourself before God, acknowledging, you know what? I didn't do anything to earn this. It's all you. It is all you. He's a good God. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. What does it say in verse 7? So that when you're done praying, you'll be exhausted. <sighs> God, I just need a nap. This is so, man. My mind is racing and running and racing and racing. Is that what it says? It says, in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, sometimes what we do is we get full of anxiety. We get filled with worry and fear. And we're like, God, give me some peace. I'm crying out for peace. I got to go to the church. If I can just get in the church, I can find some peace. If I can just get one of the pastors to pray for me. Pastor, could you please pray for me? Oh, man, I need peace. Hey, that's not bad in and of itself. You're going the right direction. It's better than going to a bar. Okay. So it's not all bad. You're like, you're coming to church. Great, keep coming. And receive prayer from a pastor. That's great. But at the end of the day, Paul is saying us, hey, these are principles. If you want to have peace that guards your mind and your heart, that guards your emotions, this is how you live this out. You pray, and then you give thanks. You set your affection on him. You recognize who he is. You recognize his faithfulness. It says in Isaiah 26, 3, I believe it is. It says, he keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on CNN. No, I'm, of course not. Neither on Fox. Either one. It says, he keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. So Paul is telling us, as you fix your mind on the goodness of God, his immutable character, you get to live in this perfect peace. Look, when you're on social media and all you feel is irritated and frustrated, do yourself a favor. Leave. Do not stay on there. These issues matter. The, the real life stuff that we deal with in our nation every day, it matters, it's important, but ultimately we are kingdom citizens. And if you're not filled with his peace, you won't have anything to give to overflow into this realm over here. God wants us to live in peace. He has called us to live in peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, which is pretty amazing. Real quick, First uh, Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five. How many are thankful that the word of God does not change? He's a rock. He's our steadfast, faithful rock. He does not change. 
First Peter chapter 5, verse 6. I'm going to read just a little quote from the Old Testament before that. It says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all of your care, and a lot of versions say anxiety, casting all of your cares or anxieties upon him. For he cares for you. Humbling ourselves. Humbling ourselves with thanksgiving. Rejoicing in the Lord always. How many know that when you want to... when you want to rejoice in God the least, it's probably when you need to do it the most. Cast all of your anxiety in because he cares for you. We've got a good God. He's a good father. And he never changes. He's good in everything and in every, every way. All right. Go to... Let's go to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. And as you're going there, again, I want you to consider the overall context. The overall context. He is a big God. And this word has been true from the very, very, very beginning. And it never changes. It applies to you and I just as it has applied to our brothers and sisters throughout church history. Hebrews 12. Let's go to verse 26. It was referring to God here. Hebrews 12, 26, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace, as it says in this version. Many of them say, let us be thankful by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Let brotherly love continue. God loves us enough to allow things to be shaken. You know, sometimes we, we, we ask, well, is this from God? Is this from the devil? Is it warfare? Is it? Is it just his sovereignty? Am I a victim of this? Am I, am I, is it just, is it the, you know, people? Is it, hey, you know what? I don't know. I don't always know. Maybe it's a combination of all the above. I don't know. I just know this, is that God is really good, and he wins every time. He's never lost a battle. And if I'm connected to him, it doesn't mean everything goes my way. It doesn't mean everything works out easily the way I want it. But if I'm connected with the one who's never lost a battle, whew, that's pretty good. I'm with the unshakable one. My finances can get shaken. My emotions can get shaken. But he's unshakable. I want to attach myself to him. I want to attach myself to him. He says, for our God is a consuming fire. And then he says, 
let's continue to love one another as brothers love. The other thing the Lord spoke to me that he just challenged me with, he said, what has not changed? And he began to speak to me about himself. I have not changed. And then it was this. Christopher, what's changed about you? Well, there's this and there's that. Okay. So maybe you, maybe you can't go travel in other nations, which I haven't this year because of those restrictions. But who you are has not changed. See, nothing can change or stop God. But if you're in Christ and you yield to him, you're never a victim of any circumstance. I don't care what it is. The Lord, I went through a really, really hard time some, some, a while back, really painful. And the Lord just spoke to me. He said, you've never been a victim and you aren't one now. You know what Paul said? It struck me the other day. I was reading this and he, he's writing from prison and he says, as the Lord's prisoner... I'm like, I'm like, you know what? He doesn't say as Caesar's prisoner or, or he's not saying as Nero's prisoner. He's not saying, oh, as a prisoner of this terrible, uh, you know, Roman government. I'm, I'm a prisoner of the ones who arrested me. He said, no, I'm the Lord's prisoner. I ain't nobody's prisoner but the Lord's. I trust in him because he's the Lord of my circumstances. I'm never a victim. So Paul goes on to write the Philippians and he says, I've learned the, the, the secret of being content in living in plenty or in want. In every circumstance. Sometimes we just apply that to money, but he says in every circumstance. I'm going to tell you, I've not arrived at that yet. But he says, I've learned the secret of contentment in every circumstance. Paul was totally clinging to the Lord Jesus Christ and to an unshakable kingdom. God has not changed, and neither have you. Ultimately, at the end of the day, nothing and nobody can stop you from fulfilling your destiny in Christ. God is unstoppable. And if you have been adopted into the kingdom of God and you've been made one with Christ, as we're, that's what happens when we're born again. We've been made one spirit with him. No matter what happens, you are unstoppable in him. You are absolutely unstoppable in him. I want to bless you in the midst, as we're going in the final seven weeks of this chaotic year, I bless you to know and live with a revelation of the sovereignty and the goodness of God. And that as a kingdom child of God, you are unstoppable. Nobody can change who you are. And so while we can get all distracted and we do need to pray into the things that can still change, we're in a fight. Let's keep praying. Let's pray for our nation to the end of November and again in January and through the rest of the year because our, our, our nation needs prayer, okay? But at the same time, recognizing that God has not changed, you have not changed, and what he's called you to has not changed. It's impossible for that to change. He still says, be holy as I am holy. He still says, perfect love casts out fear. These are his promises. This is who he is and this is who he's called us to be. 
So not only has God not changed and we haven't changed, but our mission hasn't changed. God never said, preach the good news until the pandemic hits. Or if the one who gets elected is the one you didn't want, then you're let off the hook for praying for the president. Or that you're let off the hook from preaching the gospel. His word just stands true. Period. You've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to run with the purposes of God in your life, in your generation. And you know what's amazing? Is God knew beforehand you and I would be alive right now in this crazy year of 2020 with all the chaos politically, some cities chaos in the streets, and the chaos of this pandemic. Jesus knew that you and I would be alive in this moment in history. And we were called to shine. It's who we are. That does not change. I want us to go ahead and stand. And let us be thankful, even as he shakes everything that can be shaken, and be reverent, for our God is a consuming fire. See, nobody can stop you from loving your neighbor. Nobody can legislate that. We're called to love God and love our neighbor. We're called to love God and love others. Nobody can change that. That's good news. That's really good news. That the ultimate thing that you and I are called to do, when Jesus says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you as well. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about the clothes you're going to wear. But seek first the kingdom of God. He means it. And that applies to us today. And nobody can change that. You and I are part of a bigger historical context of 2,000 years of church history. Of all kinds of Christians that their, their tradition and their style and their liturgy look different over the years. But we are part of the global eternal body of Christ. And this word is true or it's not. And I'm just saying the word of God does not change. He is faithful from beginning to end. Join us on Tuesday praying. Continue to pray for our nation. Look, I, I, I believe that as a, as a citizen of the United States, it's in everyone's best interest, if there's any fraud going on, that that, that be exposed. That's in, for a democracy, that's, everyone's, that's in everyone's best interest, that every uh, vote be counted. All that's the case. But we're citizens of a kingdom that will never end. And that's unshakable. If faith is still around here, if you guys want to come up. God's unstoppable. And if you're connected to him, you're unstoppable too. Nobody can stop you <laughs> from being what you've been called to be. And nobody can stop you from doing what you've been called to do. What you were called to be and what you were destined to be and what you were destined to do 
has not changed. In Christ, created by the Father and indwelt and empowered by the Holy Spirit, you are unstoppable. I want you to close your eyes and let's just lift our hands to the Lord right now. Father, I thank you for the privilege of living in this great nation. I thank you for the privilege that you've given us here in this nation. The blessings of the United States of America, the mercy that you've had on this country. We ask that you continue to have mercy on this country. We are grateful for every opportunity you've given us. And even if the process is chaotic, we thank you that we're in a nation where we have, we've been given the right to vote. But Father, I thank you that my faith, my trust, and my hope, and my confidence is not in any political system. It's not in any man, including any man in a White House. We're citizens of another kingdom. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.